If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. And what else are we here for but the annual wins draft NBA Bonanza preview <laughs> I love with that. Andrew Ramondi. So, Andrew, welcome back on. Uh, I feel like you're my only slash permanent <laughs> guest slash co-host at this point. So, uh, welcome back on. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So, of course, what we are doing right now, I think this is our fourth or fifth year. Uh, we probably started... What, oh, fuck. Yeah, I don't... Second year of law, law school. school. So it would probably be our... Fourth? Fifth? Fourth? No, I think it's our fourth. It's I think our it's fourth. our fourth, yeah. So it is our fourth... We're going to call it the fourth annual uh, wins draft. Uh, I actually did the math from last year, and I ended up squeaking it out by two wins. So... Uh, Andrew, do you want to inform the listeners how the format goes on uh, this preview? Yes. So the format goes as follows. Um, We are going to draft teams um, from East Conference. We're going to start with the East, and then we're going to do the West um, in in another podcast. Um, Basically, and we're drafting for, with the specific goal in mind of accruing the most regular season wins. Now, like, championship contention could factor into that, but we're strictly looking at the regular season. Um, We'll alternate. Uh, One of us will get the first pick in the East. One of us will get the first pick in the West. Uh, I think that's about it. Yep, and that's pretty much it. And then we tally up the wins at the end of the the regular season. And I think you've informed me now that you've won two years in a row. I think I won. I thought I at least won one year. You did win the first year, I believe. Um, So... We will get started on the Eastern Conference, and then there'll be a part two for the Western Conference. But Andrew, I feel like has kind of this timed tradition of figuring out who drafts. <laughs> yeah, first. we never we, figure it out until we get. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pl- pu- put up a heads or tails thing on my phone right okay. now. Okay, it's flipping. If it's heads, I go first in the East. If it's tails, you go first in the East. Or do you want to call it? Nope. Okay, so that if it's heads, I go first. Tails, you go first. It's heads. Okay, so Andrew is going first uh, to choose in the Eastern Conference. And um, Andrew, why don't you lead us off? All right. Um, now, I think uh, this is great. We're going to get to talk about an NBA thing we haven't talked about right off the bat. But basically, could I have overthought it and not picked the Nets now with all this Kyrie Irving stuff going on that we will, I'm sure, talking about in a second. Yes, I could do that. If Obviously, I, I think the champion Milwaukee Bucks could certainly top this conference, but I think even without Kyrie Irving, the Nets are not only the favorite to win the East, but the favorite to win the NBA title. So I am picking the... 
and I do have over-unders from, I believe, points bet. I, I am picking um, the Brooklyn Nets, who points bet has at this is their over-under, 46.5 wins. And we are on an 82-game schedule again 46. this year. 46.5. Four, oh, I'm sorry, 56. 56. Right? 56. We just ate a large amount of tacos, and I'm still settling back into to reality. Yeah, 56.5. Um, I'm not sure if that's pre this no, news that I guess I'll just have you summarize right now, but um, I, you know, I think that number sounds still about right, and I'm and I'm happy with the pick. So I was about to say, let's hammer the over on that if it was. 46. No, that would be wild. But I I had a fifty-five point five from Fanduel. That's no fine. Ads, That's but, fine. Um, yeah, the Kyrie situation is one of those weird things right now at this point where it's getting. I'm not sure how to think about this because mm-hmm. he really hasn't come out and said much. It seems like he did say that one thing where it's not necessarily that he's anti-vax or pro-vax, but it's yeah. more he's saying something about the mandates themselves. Yeah, he did an Instagram Live where he expounded it yesterday, where he expounded about it. About the, but in, in case... I don't know who would listen to this where they wouldn't really know what was going on with Kyrie Irving, but I did want to just briefly summarize it in case. Um, There is a vaccine mandate in New York. The NBA does not necessarily require its players to be vaccinated. They are subject to more rigorous, way more rigorous testing and sort of like travel protocols than do vaccinated players. Were they to choose not to get vaccinated? But there's no requirement from the NBA. New York City, however, um, is vax mandate, uh, and there are a a couple other cities doing this, uh, San Francisco, and I think L.A. is about to jump on board, that in effect, I'm not sure if he, I don't think he's required to do it because of the, like, office. I think because he plays in Barclays Center, which is like a, you know, Mm -hmm. public arena or whatever, the N- NYC's vaccine mandate, which you need to show vax cards to get in restaurants, like all sorts of different things, um, applies to him as a performer or what, what an athlete um, who plays in the Barclays Center, which means, and he's not getting vaccinated um, for reasons that are a bit murky, but it seemed like um, it seemed like he did an IG live uh, following. We're kind of getting the. He did an IG Live following a decision the Nets made that I'll get to in a second where he did say what I think you're saying. We're like, it's a personal choice and I'm upset by the fact that, you know, vaccine mandates exist and are costing people their jobs and stuff like that, which is kind of an interesting. God, I, I, I have in my notes over under 20 minutes on Kyrie and there's just so much to unpack too much, on Kyrie way in general. Too much, yep. Um, but um, to make a long story short, he wouldn't be able to play in any Brooklyn home games um, and Sean Mar- until he gets vaccinated. And Sean Marks, there was some speculation like, well, could he play just the away games, you know, or something of, of that nature. And Sean Marks came out yesterday and said, and apparently said basically me and Joe Sai both decided, that, like we were the two d- who decided this, like, no, Kyrie is just not going to be a part of the Brooklyn Nets until he gets vaccinated. Yep. So, like, where do we go? For, should we just talk about, like, the Kyrie I, of it all let, first let's, before let's, we talk about the okay. impact on the team? Right. 
I think I should give my Kyrie yeah, thoughts. Yeah, go for it. I, I think you deserve to. Yeah. He should get the vaccine. Wow. But Hot take. Uh, yeah, I know. Super hot take. It's, I mean. And it, I think he might, to yeah. be clear. So my thing is, he probably had access to the vaccine March, yeah. April, and he still hasn't gotten it yet. And for people to think that it was super realistic for him to come in, <laughs> you know, um, during the training camp out in San Diego, and for hi- people seem semi-positive about him eventually getting yeah, this Yeah, Kevin vaccine. Durant himself, not to butt in, I believe said, you know, like, I just have the feeling that Kyrie is going to eventually be a part of the team. Right. So I, th- I think that's a really interesting thing part of all of it because if he really wanted to get the vaccine he probably could have gotten it five six months ago sure at this point but he hasn't gotten it yet and that kind of brings up questions now as to what does this team look like moving forward and from my point of view I do think Joe Sai and Sean Marks collectively probably made the right decision yeah in terms of what you need to do to get everyone going in the same direction as a team. So in terms of faulting marks and Cy for basically pseudo banning <laughs> Kyrie from the team, yeah. I don't blame them at all. And it's really, and it's not like I want to blame Kyrie for not getting the vaccine, but I do think it's a little bit misinformed as to why what he what fight he is fighting yeah exactly i wanted to get into that like briefly because like i really have no particular interest in getting into like some sort and i certainly know you probably wouldn't of getting into this like what you know does he have the right to do whatever he wants to do and stuff like that like all that and like you know talking about the public health implications of why it's good to get the vaccine i do want to talk about Kyrie more generally for like one minute because like we did a podcast when Kyrie irving took an extended leave of absence from the brooklyn nets um last season and in that podcast, I feel like I was incredibly sympathetic. You know what I mean? We were. Like, I feel like we were. were incredibly sympathetic like to Kyrie just being like, this is a pretty idiosyncratic guy who I think has had some horrifically misinformed, um, you know, takes over the years. Hashtag flat earth. <laughs> right. But I think he does mean well in a lot of ways. And, like, I'll say two things. One, like, as a white guy, just, like, I understand that people of color in this country have, like, a certain more amount of... Le- like, they, I, they're they more understandably skeptical of certain, you know, sweeping governmental-type actions for, you know, various reasons. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of them founded. Um, and I can appreciate that. And I can also appreciate that Kyrie Irving is a, you know, probably a a free spirit to his own detriment sometime. I mean, this is a guy who convert, who is a practicing Muslim, like not that, that, but just like he is a very idiosyncratic personality in the, in the NBA. I basically, I, I don't know if you saw this Twitter quote. It was some random sort of beat reporter who got a quote from another NBA guy who said Kyrie Irving is, Irving is a contrarian without a cause. And I think this kind of, 
it's hard to mm. argue with that with that or with that after this because I agree he doesn't seem to really have a good idea of of what he's trying to accomplish with this. And on that Instagram live, I thought it was interesting. He said, like, you know, I don't really want to be a political pawn or, like, I don't really want my refusal to get the vaccine to be construed politically. But it's kind of impossible to disentangle. I think the thought that that's even possible to do is is interesting and kind of points to his... I don't want to say like disconnect a disconnection with reality, but like just like the fact that Kyrie Irving's values are extremely hard to discern, basically right. at this point. Um, and I think that's why, to some extent, I think there are a number of reasons why the Nets decided to do th- why they do what they did. Now, if Kyrie Irving were on the say Indiana Pacers, uh, not not even the Indiana Pacers, were he on the LA Clippers like were he not Kawhi Leonard basically like imagine he was had Kai like if he was on a team the point I was really making was the Nets can actually afford to not have him on the team like they're one of the few teams where not having Kyrie Irving doesn't impact their title chances drastically drastically Mm -hmm. so I wonder if that factors in and I think just like the uncertainty of it all and the distraction that would bring I, I think I personally think the weighing of it is fairly clear, but um yeah. Yeah. No, I and I mean there's a lot to unpack there and I don't think this we're gonna be able to unpack it in like a timely manner. Yeah. But that's fair. In terms of what Kyrie is going to do in the future is Yeah. Interesting. Up in the air. Yeah. We really don't know. He hasn't given any indication whether or not he's going to be getting the vaccine or not. And I, that's a lot of what's on the minds of Nets fans. And there are things that you can disassociate from and say, this is how Kyrie thinks about certain issues. And then this is how we as Nets fans want him to be on the court to, to play and hopefully challenge for the title. Um, And those two things are going to be really hard to reconcile, especially if he doesn't get on the court and and doesn't get the vaccine. And without mandates changing, things like that in New York, we're not sure what the future of him is going to be for this season. He might not be playing yeah. at all this season. I, I would put my money, I mean, uh, but I was wrong on certain bets. I would put my money on him not playing this entire season, yeah. but but we, we shall see. Another thing that I think is important to me, uh, that I would just like to mention is that there is reporting out that, that it worked the Nets to try and trade, in case someone is like a sort of semi, not completely well-versed in this situation and they're thinking like why wouldn't the Nets just trade Kyrie to like a team where he could play in way more of the games apparently there's reporting out there that were he to uh, they attempt to trade him he would just retire which is fascinating in and of itself also yeah but um yeah that's 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 that I mean, I would like to ask you I, if you have something else to, to sort of wrap. Nothing, I think I think that was our tight our tight ten. Like yeah. I think we could have spun this out in any number of directions, but I, I think that's that's fine for now. I would like to ask you though, as a Nets fan, what do you make of the Nets 
chance? What do you make of the? How does? Let's just rule out Kyrie for the entire season. What do you make of this Nets team and their chances, both you know, to top the Eastern Conference and to win? Do you agree with me that they're still the number one title contenders, even were Kyrie Irving not to play the entire season? I do agree with that. It definitely is one of those things that you're threading the needle now mm-hmm. when... Your margin for error decre- decreases. Right. That's probably the only thing yeah. that ends up happening in terms of title chances. But ty- in terms of topping the East, I see them doing that. If, if Durant and Harden stay healthy. And if they both stay healthy, they probably would have won last year. Yeah. I, I'm may- maybe I'm being a little bit naive in thinking that way, but Durant was a, a big toe away from kind of shutting out, um, shutting down the Bucks, who were the champions last year, and I, I'm fairly confident they would have beat the Hawks and kind of a toss-up in, uh, in, in the NBA Finals. So I'm fairly confident that they would have progressed. And this year, I mean, just to kind of do like a quick run-through of like um, – Everything besides Kyrie. Yeah, no, and, and I'm very big. happy for you to do that because I was going to say a good thing, their margin of error um, definitely does decrease. And it's important to note, like, Kyrie Irving played the most games out of any of those they three yep, this this season. So, you know, the, like, Hardum will probably inevitably miss some time. KD will inevitably miss some time. Night to night, you're having to navigate things a little more. Uh, it's a little bit odder or uh, a little bit more difficult. Um, but a thing that, and I think you're about to go this way, but I'm just trying to sneak in my opinion to not cut in on you later. Like, I think this team, for a three-superstar team previously, I think they were very, very deep, and I think they're still pretty deep. Or at the very least, those role-player pieces around them are of good quality where it doesn't hurt to, to you know where in the aggregate it's not that big of a deal to not have Kyrie on any given night. Right. Um, so, go yeah, ahead. I mean, you know, Joe Harris, he's he's a guy that probably needs to step up. He really struggled from the field lat, uh, from three um, in that series against the Bucks. But if we're talking about regular season, he was killing it. So, mm-hmm. like, expect more from him. Bruce Brown was like a playoff darling last I feel like year, you love Bruce Brown. I was kind of in love with him. Uh I'm curious to see what, like, Patty Mills and Paul Millsap bring. I don't know if we can expect too much from them. I I mean, Mills... Mills more than Millsap, probably. Mills, like, stand in the corner, shoot threes. Yeah. Like, that's probably going to be his role. And then Blake Griffin, he he ended up coming uh, in the middle of the season, and I think he might be reinvigorated, kind of coming to, like, a bigger market, New York, and... And, you know, he was on SNL, like, doing all those types of things. And maybe he's like, okay, maybe I can kind of uh, reinvent myself in this type of role. He might be playing that, uh, starting in that um, center position for them, along with LaMarcus Aldridge, who's back. So this team is fairly deep. It's just a matter of whether or not everyone's going to, all these veterans are going to be content in their roles. Yeah. And whether or not the looming Kyrie thing doesn't play too much of a a distraction for this team. So in terms of you choosing them first, I would have done the same exact thing because I do still think they're the favorites. 
um, in the NBA to win the title. Yeah. So I'm not too surprised. Before we go that. on, could I just ask you one quick question? Yep. Go ahead. Um, just as someone who like watched some Nets, but like especially early on in the season, but I feel like post Harden trade, I wasn't engaged as much with them, and I was just wondering what you and what you've seen so far in projecting out through through the future. How do you how do Harden and KD split the workload slash coexist from night to night or like how do you see that sort of relationship working because I feel like the one thing that Kyrie provided just like he kind of was that more he is a nice glue he is a good an, way to initiate in an elegant way like don't get me wrong KD and Harden can initiate offense. But um, I feel like probably Kyrie was, you know, generally when he was around taking that role for the most part. Or I'm get you can correct me if I'm wrong. So, like, how do you see that sort of dance going on on a night to night basis? I don't think it'll be that hard. Yeah, honestly, they're they've played with each other, you know, since their OKC days. I think Harden's going to actually have the ball in his hands quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be similar to. Houston, like yeah. Harden at times, and yeah. then KD is just like, "All right, give me the ball." And then it, it's, I, I think it's gonna it, be a little bit yeah. more of like, "Here's your possession, here's sure, my a possession." Sure, a little bit more my turn, your yeah. turn. But at the same time, I do think there's gonna be, and I don't know if they'll break it out that often in the um, regular season. But I think they'll be saving a lot of things for for the postseason. Yeah, in terms I mean of like KD at five, obviously, yeah. and stuff like that. One thing I do want to flag, like, and I know we we should move on, is like in the playoffs there was the and Harden was hurt, ba- mm-hmm. very banged up. But there was this weird thing where like at the end of these big games when KD needs to have the ball in his hands, Harden isn't necessarily sure what to do, kind mm-hmm. of. Or he kind of occasionally feels the need to take over a possession. And James Harden is one of the best players in the NBA, but KD might be the best player in the NBA right now. We can shelve that and maybe talk about it briefly in the Bucks conversation when it comes. Um, and and that it will be always interesting to see down the end of games as well. Well, I think that's actually a really good segue yes, go to ahead. the Bucks because I am taking them with the number two pick in the East. Um, I think it's a pretty clear tier. Yeah. Tiered yeah. where like They're, it's Brooklyn and, yeah. and Milwaukee, and then yeah. however you want to yeah. go from there. It's a kind. I don't want to say one A one B because I think the Nets are decidedly slightly ahead. Half but it's step like maybe. Yeah, it's like one one and a half, and then right. like the rest basically. So I do have the Bucks number two, um, and I just think. They're still gonna be really good, yeah. and I mean, we had this conversation about Giannis's legacy last yeah. um, pod, but I mean, is it possible that he gets better? As weird as that sounds, because with the shooting, um, hopefully that comes through. Everyone's. I, I was scrolling through Instagram today, and people were saying like. Look at Giannis's shot. He's actually improving, unlike yeah. some other person that's in Philly right now. <laughs> so it's that I think is one exciting element of w- where does Giannis go from here? Is there play? Is there a championship hangover from last season? 
they played a ton of games in a very compressed schedule, so they haven't gotten that much time off, especially Middleton and uh, Holiday, who sure. played in the Olympics. So those are couple warning signs to look out yeah. for. P.J. Tucker's gone from this team, even though I I do think he was probably a little bit overvalued in his sure. um, maybe the uh, team chemistry or the glue guy uh, that type sure. of stuff that he brought. I mean, I think people, he did guard KD a lot in that series. Did he do an incredible job? I mean, could anyone do an incredible job? No. It, it's interesting. I did have in my little bit of notes, like, I think they, I think they'll be fine no matter what. Um, like, I think it's possible in the regular season they, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just let, I mean, and they were only the fourth seed last year, right? And uh, it's important to remember, like, I, w- I was thinking, like, I like to think we didn't really do the podcast near in the last half of last year, but I, we, the Bucks were at the top of our Eastern Conference sort of projection like I feel like they were being a little undervalued going into the last playoffs and I like to think that we would have maybe been on top on of the bandwagon slightly um but the, the point I the, I'm going the long way around making the point of like is it possible they just don't feel the need do I think there will be a hangover no do I think there's the possibility that they don't feel like they have as much to prove and therefore take their foot off the gas a little bit a la a team like the Lakers or the Clippers have have we've seen them do over although the Lakers has been more sort of driven by injury but you know I think that is possible but um I think to your point about Giannis like not to be overly Bill Simmonsy but it feels like he found something slash went <laughs> up a level <laughs> yep. you know he went into fu mode during uh, like the the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals itself. And I think even were the shot not to develop, I just think he figured, and I think we talked, so I won't belabor the point, but I just think he kind of figured some stuff out about how to use his body and sort of dominate the game in other ways beyond, because that was always sort of the question about him. Like, at the end of games, if he can't, you know, take a step back three, like, what is he to do? And I think we saw him impact the game, like, with his defense and just pure energy and I think he'll be able to bust that out when he needs right what, what that means night to night in the regular season who knows but I do think there is that just interesting question of like PJ Tucker of course like no I don't think his loss really matters but over the years these Bucks teams have been able to function like when Giannis gets injured and like they have done it by committee more than people realize mm-hmm. I think and just like who are those guys? Is it a guy like I? I think Zach Lowe wrote an article about like Semi Ojale being <laughs> oh the next no. PJ Tucker. But like over the years, the Bucks have really been able to use those kind of your DJ Wilson or your you know Dante Divincenzo or like and obviously those are two guys, Pat Connaughton. They've been able to kind of take these Portis. Yeah, they've been able to take these kind of like not necessarily discards, but these like. C-level NBA rotation fillers and make them really sing and um, seeing whether they're, I think whether they're able to continue to do that or not will be will be sort of key on the regular season front. Totally agree. And then there's a great, you know, Grayson Allen sighting here, George Hill, and then our guy from Seton Hall, Mamu, is uh, is like a a backup five on this team. So a special shout out to him before we move on to pick three. But yeah, I think it's a clear number two pick. Yes, agreed. 
So, wow, I get the number three pick, and I, I decided something this year. Uh-oh. So, well, let me preface, let me preface. I think the, the, would you agree with me? So, the next tier, we have the Nets Bucks tier. After that, the tier, I would say, is the 76ers, the Heat, the Celtics, and the Atlanta Hawks. Do you agree with that, or do you think a team does not deserve to be in that tier? 76ers... Atlanta, Heat, and Celtics. That Yeah, I agree with that. So I think that tier is really interesting. Like, they all kind of have their flaws and, and, um, and strengths. But I sort of decided something in making these, in making these uh, lists this year of, like, I'm just going to go with the teams I really like. And I'm taking the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. Three. Okay. It's not super crazy, just as a just as an FYI, points bet had had um, the Bucks at fifty four point five to the Nets is fifty six point five. They have the Hawks at forty six point five. A lot of these other teams range from fifty point five to forty six point five. So it's not like I'm making a crazy insane like mm-hmm. reach here, but it certainly is a moderate reach. And sort of my idea for this is like. Th- I'm looking at the Mavericks, sort of, and when Luka started to come on, basically. Is Trey Young as good as Luka Doncic? Not really. Do I enjoy watching him as much as Luka Doncic? And do I think he's a superstar? Yes. Um, and it's sort of this idea of, like, when these young superstars come on the scene, you know, like when they sort of arrive, they tend to hang around, and they usually, with a couple, with a couple, like, um... Exceptions. Exceptions like Anthony Davis, who until he went to the Lakers never was able to really climb up to the top of the Western Conference standings and stuff like that. But you you saw with the Mavericks, like one year you're a six, and then the next year you're like in that three four zone. And I think that's going to happen with the Hawks. I just have the feeling that's what's going to happen with the Hawks this year. And I think the rest of the Eastern Conference it will. The middle of the East is just a little bit softer than usual, in my in my opinion. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if this team is is really putting the pedal to the metal every night. Now, I think there are questions, certainly, and we can get to those in a second. But how do you react to this this theory of the case generally? I actually liked it because this was my team last year that I think I was like hey, watch out for this mm-hmm. team. I like all the pieces that fit together. Yeah. And I think a lot, I think people that heard that opinion from me were like, come on, you really, you're going to trust in this Trey Young, like all these young pieces. And it kind of worked out for me and, and validated what I thought um, early on in the preseason last year in the preview. Um, for me, I do think they're probably in it's they're gonna range from three to six. Yeah, anywhere from three to six. I wouldn't be surprised if they're as high as three and as low as six. Yeah. So it, it's not a surprise to me that you took them, and you know we'll get to this later. But I think the team that's at fifty point five. Sure. There's a lot of questions there. Sure. So I don't want to get too much into that. But they have some like the Hawks have some interesting pieces that they didn't even. They didn't stay still this offseason no. either, where they still added DeLon Wright, Gorgie Zhang. Not that those guys are going to move the needle that much at all, but they just keep adding these decent NBA They're uber deep. They are really deep. Where, yeah. where it's 
where they're going to be like, okay, like Lou Williams, Kevin Herter, Danilo Gal, they're coming off the bench yeah. for them. And like that those their bench And guys like even guys like Cam Re- Cam Reddish who looked a little bit DOA early in the season, like he started to really come on by by the ends by the end right. of the season. Now the thing I do wonder is do they almost have too many guys at this point? And I think an interesting thing I kind of wanted to bring up is like you know, Luca, with all the questions about Chris Epps-Porzingis, he got his second banana eventually. And I wonder if the Hawks, like, when do you consolidate some of these assets and try and get a, su- a, a true second player is my question. Because, like, I was looking just down the scoring list and, like, Trey has 23 and a half, like, 23 and a half-ish, and it's pretty even. And then there were just all these guys around, like, I'd be, like, you'd, Collins, 17.6, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich, 16.4, and then you have Capella, and actually, like, DeAndre Hunter, who I think might have been starting over Gallinari in some of those games last year. So the point I'm just making is, like, all of those guys are good, but it can that, by committee thing, propel you to a three seed? I'm not sure. Um, mm. And that would sort of be my question is like, is there some like even just a guy, do you move Cam Reddish and, you know, another piece for for something of more use and kind of get some of the cooks out of the kitchen? I, d- I don't know. Um, and yeah, I think I think the Hunter piece is going to be interesting because he was out for long stretches of last season. Mm-hmm. So. And he was a pl- like yeah, he that's was true. a he legit. Got hurt near the end. He was a legit player for them. That was a starter, probably their guy that they relied on defensively. Yeah. Um. So I think he's going to be a guy to look out for to maybe yeah, take like a, a a mini leap yeah. type of thing. No, and but a good point you raise is just like just quickly because yeah, yeah. it's better to just interject and Go keep ahead. this moving. Yes. But like in order to get to probably three in the conference, they need to get better on defense and a guy like Hunter would probably be very integral to that. So right. continue. And my my only question back to you would be like who's the guy out there that they're they're going to try to No, I don't with know. Trey? I is, really don't know. And I, and I think as an overarching theme for a lot of people to think about when they're listening to this podcast, oh, just packages these guys trade for someone. There's not many guys out there no, to true. be to be trading for that's at true. this point. Everyone's sim- it, it was a fairly quiet off season this year in terms of free agency. Not like not these huge mega superstars ended up moving teams, and I'm not sure who the next guy is on the horizon. Um, maybe we'll talk about Carl Anthony Towns, Bradley Beal, uh, your guy Dame. That yeah. might be that might be moved. But even though, like, it doesn't seem like there's many of those guys that are available. And I didn't even mention Simmons either. So I, I I'm not exactly sure what you're packaging for who. And no, that's it's a good point. And and I think that's going to be one of the interesting o- ongoing storylines this year of who 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 are these next guys that become available. Yeah. So um I like the Atlanta pick. So I will move on to pick four and let's just get into it because I just mentioned Simmons. I'm gonna just take Philly. Yeah, four. I would have taken Philly fourth for the um, record. Do we just go off on Simmons? Like it's, it's another it's over uh, under twenty minutes talking yeah, yeah. about Simmons. Um, you go you go first on this. I just okay. want to hear you sum it up and kind of give your Everything, because I feel like you had a very good 
beat on. I mean, there's still the question of where we go from here, but I think you kind of had a good finger on the pulse so with this whole thing from, from Jump Street. So go ahead, So bud. basically, let me just summarize what ended up happening over this year, um, over the this offseason with Ben Simmons. So Simmons ends up basically post-playoff saying, you know what, I can't take it, I'm out. And he basically stages a holdout this offseason – um, gets it a lot from the Philly fans. Um, at right after he passes up that layup or the the dunk in Game Seven of the semis, he ends up. A lot of people start questioning him and saying, "Okay, we need to get rid of this guy." And he's like, "All right, I'm not gonna just. I'm not gonna take this. I'm not showing up." To training camp, I'm not showing. I'm basically done being. A yeah, I believe he like put his secret. apartment, like cleared all the shit out of his apartment, put it on the market. Yep, and so, and and like and and I think a a big thing to recognize here is clutch and how um, he's being guided by Rich Paul and what to do in certain situations like this, and and the Josh Harris, who's the owner of the of the Sixers, um, Daryl Morey side of things is when they kind of, when they ended up being confronted with this, they were, they were like, all right, you can, you can hold out, but we're withholding this. Basically he ends up getting paid in these, I believe quarterly payments of $8.4 million. And, and he gets paid that amount his first amount in July, then he was due for the second amount in October, but since he decided to hold out, he ends up, that that money ended up going into escrow and then and, and the ownership group basically saying, hey, since you're holding out, we're withholding this money from you. You'll get it back once you come back. Yeah, and I think he had accrued fines also for missing practices right, and right. certain other so obligations in excess of like a million dollars as right, well. Right, preseason games, things like that. So he lost a million dollars, and once he realized he wasn't going to get that money back, he he actually made a surprise, I guess, <laughs> he, he, I guess, checked into camp this, this past week, a couple days ago, and was like, all right, I'm, I'm here. Back. I'm here <laughs> to collect my bag. Yeah. So that's pretty much what ended up happening in the offseason with Simmons. And now Doc Rivers has to try to figure out, and Daryl Morey, what are they doing with this situation? Yeah. And is Simmons actually going to suit up for the Sixers this offseason, or this season, especially with what ended up happening um, this off season and how acrimonious it got. Let me just throw it to you and toss it to yeah. you, yeah, and and just try to get your opinion on part one. Do you think Simmons ends up actually playing for this team? Part two, what do you think is a realistic trade package that Maury's going to be able to get for? And and Andrew's rolling. Yeah, his no, eyes at I me just like that's the million dollar question, I, yeah, but and I basically yeah, it's the tough question, but like realistically. Let me pose it like this. Yeah, no, not, that's fair. Not what he can realistically garner, but what would you give up if you're an opposing GM force? Sure. Well, just yeah. Just to do that thought. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. <laughs> well, on on number one, like, and I'll say, like, kudos to you. You were saying from the beginning, like, 
I think they're going to, like, basically do be- what they did. You basically said, like, I think they're going to start taking money from him, and he's going to be like, oh, fuck. And I, I, I didn't necessarily disagree with that, but I just thought there was going to be a little bit more urgency on the part of Maury and that front office, like, once the situation went sour, to, like, have it be over, right? You know what I mean? Right. As soon as possible. Like, all right, let's just get what we can and move on from this. Um, whereas they seem to be willing to play the long game. And I think part of that, to, I think one is almost tied into number two in a way. I think the Sixers have a vested interest in him playing in part to build trade value. Agreed. So I believe that Ben Simmons will play for the Sixers. And I wouldn't be surprised if things... I feel like things with this, like, in the sort of Anthony... We've had, like, sort of analogs to this in Anthony Davis and then James Harden last year. And it usually ends up being, like, not at... I mean, Anthony Davis, there was some weird stuff, especially. But it didn't end up being quite so as bad as you would expect. So I wouldn't be particularly surprised if stuff sort of just ended up being, like close-ish to normal now do I think he'll play every game probably no that first home game in Philly will obviously <laughs> be super be interesting yeah, it's gonna be um bad. his interaction with the media will obviously be extremely fascinating and and all of that but I I think just sort of the point the overarching point is I think there's some mutual interest in him playing for the Sixers um on both, you know, uh, and and I think it will bear out in him playing games. Now, in terms of the what you're getting, what you're giving up, well, I think there are two. Th- I think one of the major problems here is that there are, and I heard Zach Lowe discuss this on his podcast, there are just a very limited amount of teams that would want him. Would want him because the NBA is now stratified in such a way where you kind of have the haves and the have-nots. Like, you have your Nets and Lakers of the world who are, like, good, kind of, and aren't really going to make such a trade, like, won't have enough in the war chest to make such a trade. And then you have kind of the OKC. Like, could OK, OKC could probably easily put together a trade package for him, but these teams aren't as... It takes a team who wants to get better and believes Ben Simmons can make them better in such a way that's like useful, and not that many of those teams exist. You're looking at Indiana's been bandied about. Obviously, Portland's been bandied about. Um, a team like Sacramento has been mentioned. Minnesota. Minnesota. So it takes something like that. I think it comes down to... I think it's a, sort of a poor man's version of the Kawhi trade where it's like semi-minor. I I think those are the only trades that make any sense at this point. And I'm not just saying that because I would do CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, which I would. But like the it only really the only trades I can fathom are kind of the Brogdon and a pick, McCollum and a pick. Mm-hmm. Um Tyrese Halliburton and some stuff, D'Lo and some stuff. Like those are really the only, like can you I no. I guess I just don't have the creativity in me to you know, would the rappers do Siakam for it? Like, I don't know why. Like, but like, other than that, because the point, the the point I'm trying to make is also the what the thing I should say from the Maury side of things is it seems like he wants to get something. But all all signs point to him either wanting like 
the mother load, which it doesn't seem like any team is going to be. It seems like he wants the mother load anyway from yeah. that report about the McCollum and him wanting three first rounders and three pick swaps in addition to McCollum. But it seems like he also wants something he can use now. And that combined with the limited amount of teams that can use him um, sort of narrows that playing field to that. Now, what I'll ask you, though, is like, how do you see this res- with that in mind? And feel free to add anything, anything to that. How do you? How long does this take to resolve? Like, because we've been saying McCollum, people have been saying McCollum for Simmons forever. Like, what is the point at which either both sides, and let's even set it aside. Let's say Brog. It doesn't even have to be the Blazers, Brogdon, and whatever for for Simmons. At what what is going to change that suddenly makes? Whatever side needs to say yes, say yes. Like unless it gets really bad, I don't see Maury being like I'm hitting the panic button and yeah. and trading Simmons for so seventy five cents or sixty cents on the dollar. It doesn't seem like he's another got question is is that sixty cents on the dollar though? Yeah. Or is it sixty cents on the dollar in Maury world? Because that's yeah. the other thing I think we've talked about this all. I just wanted to put it. But we don't have to discuss it. But I think when we discussed this last time, what we discussed it briefly on the last pod, we were like, "What is Simmons's value?" And that's also just a fact. Like that's also the kind of you know, if both sides are looking at that asset in a different way, it's also difficult. But but continue. Yeah, I mean, I think and. I, I do want to take it from this perspective, too. Maury wants to build a contender still because there's the other guy yes, there good that's point. Embiid. Very and I important think, And say. I think that's the distinction. Looking at this situation in comparison to someone like Harden or Anthony Davis, who are the centerpieces of uh, their teams with the Pelicans and the Rockets, where... Once you're getting rid of them, you're hitting the reset button, regardless of what whatever happens. Now Embiid, since he's gonna be there and gonna be gonna still be on the Sixers, conceivably they still have a roster that they can surround pieces around Embiid where they're gonna make a playoff run if Embiid is healthy. And I think that's where Maury is having a t- tough time trying to. F- thread the needle of how do I get players that are going to help us now win and keep and beat happy and appease him while also feeling like I'm getting enough value back for Simmons. And that's where I feel really, I I, I feel like Maury's kind of stuck in some ways. And I feel like he's going to have to sacrifice one way or the other, where he's going to get a couple bit pieces for for the now, but maybe uh, compromise on the future assets, or it's going to be like one guy and then a couple of picks. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and and that's probably how I see it resolving itself. But I don't know who the partner is. And maybe there's a secret team that we have no yes, idea. Yes, and it's sometimes it does work itself out where someone just kind of pops out of the wo- who Like, whatever team pops up out of the woodwork. And, right. you know, the Spurs or something like that. Like, who gets, right, who gets desperate enough to, to, to throw people, you know... Give the protection. Well, and that's uh, the other thing. Say Portland starts 
shitty do you suddenly get more desperate and you're suddenly willing to make any change to kind of keep you know that that will matter too um before we before we i guess we can i don't know if we should have the so I think Philly's a good pick. Philly's a good before, and we can maybe move on after this. I think Philly's a good pick regardless because, like, either they'll have Simmons playing and be okay, like, probably fine. They were the number one seed in the East last year. Or we would assume that any trade they're getting back for for Simmons isn't going to make them materially worse. So I think four is is good. Um, there's always going to be the question of, like, blah, 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 Embiid's health, their role players, all that shit. But uh, I think that's fine. I wanted to just pose this thought experiment to you. So, like, we're going to make, in hypothetically, we're going to make a bet. You have to put up $10, and the, the overall premise is Ben Simmons will be a sixer for the entire season. What odds would I have to get? Do you think there, like, what odds would I have to give you on that money for it to be a bet you'd be willing to take? Three to one? Like meaning, I give you thirty for ten, five to one, seven to one. Like, what? Wh- what do you think? I think if you gave me six to one, okay. I'd be okay with okay. that. Okay. So you do still feel very strongly that one, someone's either going to get, de- someone's going to get desperate, either another team or Philly itself, and he'll yeah. definitely get moved. Yep. Would I, you say over under before? When's the trade deadline February, usually? February. Over under, he's still on the team by Christmas. Oh man! What side would you take? I think before Christmas okay. he's gone. Okay. Yeah. If okay. I had to do it, sure. If I had to, but Maury and this Maury and Harris have kind of proven themselves as like these different types of front office and ownership group that will do something different yeah. and won't be afraid to stand up to. To Simmons, so I, I mean, I think all bets are off. But traditionally, how these things go are they just resolve fairly quickly? And I think this was the charade that kind of needed to play itself yeah. out before it sets up for okay, he's willing to come into camp, he's willing to show face and start playing, and then hopefully rehab. Not that he's going to rehab a ton of his value, but it's going to be enough where other teams won't be spooked out and and say, okay, he's actually going to be able to play. Yeah. So I, I do think eventually one of these teams will get desperate because Minnesota probably has a mandate to, for them to win. Sacramento, Indiana kind of wants to always tread water as well. So there's going to be one of those teams, at least one of those teams that's going to be like, all right, we'll just do it. And, yeah. And, and then and – then, uh, Maury's Maury will say, "Okay, I'm I'm totally happy with that." All right, so Andrew, moving on, fifth pick. Who are you taking with the fifth pick? I'm going with the Miami Heat. Okay. Um, okay. They okay. were given a higher win total than where the Boston Celtics. Are you keeping track of this also? Because because I, 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 I only have my phone with me. I am keeping track. They were given a slightly higher win total by by Vegas. Um, I have them at forty eight point five, uh, whereas the Celtics are at forty six point five. Um, and to be honest, I'm not like massively in love with either of these teams. Kyle Lowry. So okay, yeah. I so I was gonna. They acquired Kyle Lowry, correct? They had one of the bigger free agent acquisitions, sort of in of the 
of the uh, of the off season and Kyle Lowry. And I, th- but to be quite frank with you, my thi- my choosing of them in this spot wasn't as much based on the Lowry acquisition as much as I think water kind of, fi- I think they underperformed a little bit last year and I think water, water find its, fi- Jesus Christ, can I not, am I having a stroke? I think water finds its level this year to some extent. I wanted to ask you this question um, and it's, I'm picking the heat, but I wanted to do this thought experiment with you. How much better is Kyle Lowry than Goran Dragic? Not much. Yeah. Not That's much. why, okay, I agree with you. Like, one win, does that boost them by one win, two win? The re- it's probably more of a, although, la- go- although De- Drogic was great in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, to the extent that it gives you another guy, like, maybe there's the argument to be made that Lowry has more big-time playoff experience and, like, can take some of the load. Because I think at this point, it's kind of shown that Bam isn't, although you can disagree, I think you know, can Bam step up or something like that is, like, a thing to say. But at this point, to me, he's, like, a great number two option. But, but you know, that's that's about it. Mm-hmm. Th- and I'm not – that's drastically underselling it. And maybe your idea – the point I was just making is, like, maybe Lowry gives you a little bit more of kind of big time, I have the ball in my hands, playoff stuff, if need be, to take some load off Butler. Regular season, does he add one win, two wins, maybe – but I, I tend to agree with you. So that's why I just wanted to point that out to say, like, it's not as much me picking the Heat isn't as much centered in Lowry as much as just a belief that the Heat are going to be better this year than they were last year. I was going to say, though, you look up and down their bench, and I think, like, bench depth is kind of a theme we have, like, as like that's a pet thing we like to kind of look at. Markeith Morris, newly acquired. P.J. Tucker, newly acquired. Can Victor Oladipo give them any? I kind of feel, I feel really bad for Victor Oladipo, I do too. man. Yeah. Like, is he just done? Like, I, I maybe he, there's this kind of Derrick Rosey type second act still to come. That would be, uh, that'd be, I'd be more than happy to see that. But they got guys, and I think, you know, like the point I'm making there is like, it does seem like they're making, um, it does seem like they are making a conscious effort to, you know, with Pat Riley, there's always a move to be made or something like that. But it does seem like they're consciously trying to fix the flaws. What, you know, and it's hard for me to even diagnose. I didn't watch enough last year to diagnose what those flaws were. But it seems like they're trying to sort of inch their way up the East and be a team that can compete for that three seed that it seems to be open as we were talking about. So, and, you know... I just have more of a belief in them overachieving than the Celtics do. And I can very much be proved wrong, proven wrong. I'm kind of a Celtics hater to some extent, I think, um, or tend to not be as high on, on them. But that's, that's sort of what I was thinking. Well, to me, the key player on this roster and in terms of where, if they can take a leap up or not, is... Are you going to say Tyler Hero? I am going to say Tyler Hero, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, I think he's the guy that, out of all these guys, like it seems like he's the one that He had has, the sophomore slump, for sure. Right, and he has the chance to be the one that ends up improving the most out of yeah, all these guys. I like, agree. It doesn't seem... Lowry at this point of his career, we know what Lowry is going to give. We know what Butler is going to give. 
it seems like Bam can improve too still, but it seems like, like you were saying, great second banana, but we don't expect too much more out of him. Duncan Robinson's going to provide some shooting. Sure. But Hero was really that bubble darling, and it's it, he's like one of those guys that if if he provides really and and really relishes in that sixth man type of role then he can be then and, and like how good he is in that role i think that can change the trajectory but maybe that's me just asking and expecting and you way love, too yeah, much of Tyler no, Hero no, but also can he last year i think most people would say it was like pretty materially disappointing. So can he find something close to that level is is definitely useful. Um, and, agreed. And, and especially with the way he performed in those bubble finals where he where people were like in the playoffs where he was showing moments of like, yeah. give me the ball and I'll uh, do something with it. That was encouraging, yes. especially in his rookie year, yes. and now we're just kind of waiting and seeing if he can be consistent and, in those And moments. I think your hope would be like he can, although Lowry will obviously be starting at point guard, he can almost do those Goran dragic things that he did, that Dragic did in the playoffs last year, you know? Be that guy who can run some pick and roll and hit some big, you know, and step into some threes and make them. Like, it's not like you're asking the world for, like, is he ever going to be an all-star? I don't think so. And I'll say this, Tyler. At, at least do it for all the white boys out there who bought a Tyler Hero Miami Vice jersey and it, or wearing out, it go, at the frat out, party, exactly. wearing it at DJ's. Like, Come on, don't let that. They, they probably paid a good like 75, 80, 85 bucks for that. They love Make you. Make them proud. Yeah, they love Kevin loves you too. I do. I do. Love <laughs> I love you. him too. I love him too, man. Um and then on the Victor Oladipo note, he's yeah. a great singer. So maybe he has a sure. second career as a singer, but hopefully he'll be able to recover and kind of have that second renaissance type of Derrick Rose phase of his career. Um, moving on. Would you have taken the Heat or would you have taken the Celtics in that spot? It seemed like you were going to take the Celtics. I was going to take the Celtics. Okay. Um, so I'm pretty happy that they've dropped to me in the sixth position. Um, so I am taking the Celtics and I, I, I feel like we've kind of flipped on, or like, you were never, were you a Tatum guy? No, you, you were, were the, uh, I was literally waiting for you to say, like, I'm like, Kevin, all right, here's Kevin's, is Tatum going to take a leap? Yeah. Um, am I, yeah, I'm going to have the, <laughs> I'm going to have that conversation once again. Tatum, and, and I think it's more, and this is me being a little bit more serious, I think it's Brown this, like, Brown showed what he could do last year. I in think terms Brown of was the guy. I think two years ago was the Tatum leap, leap year. Yep. Was like Tatum's arrived, and then last year was kind of the Browns arrived, albeit more in his own way. way yeah, yeah. But he was a legitimate player last yes. year. Um, borderline all. Was he an all star? No, no, but no, a, no, a, certainly a borderline all star. So, so I do think if both of them and and I don't know what it is, but those two guys like having two wings that are very multi-dimensional they can kind of switch for each other and it, it's though I, I can't think of two guys that I'd rather want in like in their age group mm. that 
are on a team right now. Yeah. The the surrounding pieces, I'm not that big of. So just out of curiosity, Gobert doesn't quite. Do, would do you like the pairing of Tatum Brown over Mitchell Gobert? Yeah, just because I think Gobert is a little bit older, right? Yeah, he's he's, he's like twenty. I, he's probably pushing yeah, pushing he is, thirty. Yeah, right? he's probably pretty. Um, old. Whereas. I, I can't even think of another duo though. That's that's why I was bringing it up. Where's He's actually twenty nine, but yeah, Tatum's the, only twenty three. I was right. looking this up Tate, recently then, because I was coming up with lines of logic to joke on, jokingly shit on your <laughs> can Tatum get better thing. But he is only twenty three. So I mean, he's he still can young. get better. He technically he can, can get better. So the I mean, those two guys are like two guys that, and maybe Booker and Aiden. If if you're mm. taking, if yeah, you're taking I think Tatum. I think Tatum and Brown are still. If you replaced, it's an interesting thought experiment. If you replaced Tatum and um, if you replaced Tatum and Brown with Booker and Aiton, like where does what it go? would the, where would those teams be? I I would be, but um, anyway, continue. I'm sorry. And I I do think Boston, the the surrounding pieces, I'm not crazy about. Smart, he like. He is what he is at this point yeah. in his career. Defensive guy. Yeah. Takes some threes every once in a while once he want, when he wants to jack him up. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, he kind of fumbled the bag this <laughs> Like, that was like a, re- like a recurring theme for them this year. Yeah. Which is just kind of fascinating in terms of whether, what he ends up doing just because he wants to provide um, – he wants to get that con- second contract this this offseason, especially since he really struggled with that um, or wasn't able to get that this year. Um, and then Robert Williams, like he he's another guy they tra- they traded for Al Horford. Yeah, you didn't uh, even mention Al Horford. Yep, Al but Horford. But like, who the Josh thing Richardson. about the thing about Al? Well, and Josh Rich, as you're going along, I kind of like. So I'm a big Josh Richardson fan. The Horford thing is extremely difficult for me to judge because it's like I watch zero seconds of Al Horford in OKC. So zero. Like, is he good? Is he really old? Like washed up? Yeah. Yeah. Like I truly have no idea. Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure, but if you're throwing out this crunch time lineup of Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Horford, yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Like, I don't hate it. It's, it's like, good. They could. Yeah, yeah. I I don't hate it, and they can be. I think it, they could definitely overperform that sixth position. Oh, of course. Uh, that we're taking. Of course. Game. So I wouldn't be surprised if they perform better. It's like the other. They need I I feel like they're one guy short. Yeah, and like it it's been like this ever since like Hayward and Kyrie were on this team where like okay we have this team that's set with all these young guys, and then since they left it's just been really hard to replace yeah. those guys. Yeah, and I think that's part of the like I think this year I did my drafting on much more of a superficial level in part because like I just hadn't watched as much NBA and I think really it just stemmed from this idea of like they've kind of and you change around some of the pieces like a Josh Richardson here uh, you know whatever there you know we all love Time Lord you know but it's just like sort of like that like it feels like they're in that sort of stagnant mode you know what I mean they're kind of in that blazery territory of like 
oh, this is kind of what they what they've been, and like so, I feel like there's less to be excited about. But could they surge and be the three seed? Like it would not it would not surprise me at all. Yeah, and I think it's important to stress that there these were these I don't think any either of us could have taken them in any order that would have seen outwardly crazy. I probably did the most outwardly crazy thing in taking the in taking the uh, Hawks, but now. One question I did want to pose, and I, I don't know if you you have an opinion on this, but do you think the coaching change from Stevens to Adoka is going to be Adoka is going to be like a material difference? Or That's a good question. Or do you think because I don't know too much about uh, Adoka at all? He's in terms gotten of great. Like he seems to be coming in with the highest of pedigree, but. Stevens was a top five coach in the NBA. Like, I'm sure there are some Celtics fans who think maybe he stagnated as the years went on or kind of like he was in that Kenny Atkinson model of better at doing more than le- more with less. I would say negligible, negligible difference either way. So what do you feel that way also? Yeah, I, I, I wonder if some Celtics fans will be like, Wow, Stevens was a good coach. One like not that well, and of course, and there is always the if there are any struggles, like right. if at the outset, you know, Horford goes down and they're limping a little bit, you know, uh, does d- immediately are the vultures circling back, calling right. for not Stevens, that Adoka's going to be a bad coach, no, but I think no, of course not. It's more like oh wow, Stevens was. Fairly yeah. good. No, agreed. So now we transition to this next tier of teams. Yeah. So I don't know if you have the same idea as me as in terms of who the next tier are, but I'm curious to hear who your seven, who the seven. So would is. you? What would you say the next tier is? And I'll tell you if I agree or not. So I have in this next tier, and I think it's a tier of three and a half. Okay. Four. I have yeah, I have four, but Chicago. Um, I have the Knicks. I have Indiana in there, and then I have Charlotte. Yeah, I think I think Charlotte should be in there. Okay. Um, so. I am going again. I'm zagging a little bit. I'm taking the New York Knicks at number seven. Ooh. Now, okay. the New York Knicks were pivotal in our last year. Like they probably won you last year's draft. They went last. dead last. Um. Which I don't know what the order was. If like I chose and missed that, or you? No, I must have chose through. So I probably chose like whoever the Cavs instead, or whatever. Yep. Um. (laughs) But so uh, we'll we'll see. But um. So I think I'm I'm I'm, am I overreacting to our own failure to to believe in them last year? No, what I actually think I'm doing is my angle here is I think a lot of people are assuming there's going to be regression, and I think there will be regression, but I think there's possibly going to be less regression than other than what other people people think. Um, part of this is going to hinge on is Julius Randle able to keep up his sort of all NBA fringish level of play that he exhibited last year. Um, interesting question. I don't know if I have a strong opinion on it. Uh, does the Tibbs magic sort of start to fade as we enter year two? Also an interesting question. But it's important to remember that this team has improved in in my eyes. They have spurned the Alfred Paytons of the world for, for a guy like Kenba Walker, who I hope he can play more than 20 games, but if he's able to do so, should be an improvement at that position. And the picking up of a guy like Evan Fournier, who, while not like 
you know, a world's beater. I think what we saw in these in these playoff in that Hawks series is sort of a lack of a lack of offensive cohesiveness, like in the sense that once Randall starts to struggle, what do you have other other than kind of drive and kicks and stuff right. like that? And I think a guy like Fournier, as well as obviously a guy like Kemba, of course, always with that with that asterisk, um, were, was he to stay healthy? Um, like helps to alleviate that. So I I think there are some signs of growth, of 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 positive change or at the very least things that can hopefully keep them on that sort of seventh eighth seed level um another guy to flag here obviously is mitchell robinson if he's healthy i would like to think that he i don't know it would be an interesting question does he make them much better than a guy like um nirland's noel does i'd like to think yes um at the very least his being healthy would i think obviously help help in the depth department we all know Tibbs likes to play a lot of guys um and sort of beyond that like I think this little this has been less of an argument than a listing off of the roster (laughs) but like also just like they have shown it already to some extent the Pacers I'm just sick of frankly and that's why I'm not I'm just bored of the Pacers and don't yep. want to talk about them and that's why I didn't take them but then like when you compare them to the other team that I think that you could take here the Bulls it's like the Bulls have been it's kind of been like the time for them to jump in the eighth seed for so many years that I'm just like all right guys when you prove it I'll you, you prove it but like I'm gonna go with the guys who kind of who kind of showed those things, and I think there'll be a little. Bit, I think there'll be a great buzz in MSG. There, I think there won't be like. It gets fun. There, there will be expectations, but I don't think anyone's expecting like. I don't think people are that delusional where they're expecting them to be like that for. Like I don't think a drop from the four to the seven is like, materially disappointing. Um, material, I think, is the word of the day for us here, and uh, I think they're gonna want to avoid the play-in, and they're going to be playing really, really hard to kind of prove that they belong on the level of the teams we talked about earlier. So all of those things kind of make me me trend toward the Knicks over those other two teams. And I don't think, obviously, it's the Knicks. There's always some sort of implosion potential, but I I feel like fairly safe. I think there's implosion potential with all of these teams that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I... I would have probably chosen them here first. Oh, really? Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Um, they're steady. Like I, th- I feel like this is the steadiest they've been in. Like w- under Tibbs, they feel like uh, a somewhat functional yeah. basketball organization. Yes. Um, which is th- feels like the first time in I don't know how many years since yeah the post since oh seven oh eight yeah. sort of that mellow or ten eleven or whatever yep. that year was yeah yeah and that that feels like the most this feels like the most stable they've been in a in a long time and you listed off all the players that are gonna be somewhat um, in the picture this year for this team my one question. And and it's more of a rhetorical question. Yeah. It is like, does this team become the team that possibly is looking for that star yeah. in the trade market? Does if Cat becomes available, um, 
Carl Anthony Towns. D- like the whole Dame thing, I was kind of floated out there too, um, and I'm not sure if that's plausible at all. But I I wonder if they feel like they can get one of these stars since they were able to prove last year that they can build a functional team. Now. Yeah. And I think the stars find that more appealing nowadays, especially with what what happened with KD and, and going to the Nets um, over the Knicks and things like that of, oh, we want to see if the, the organization itself can build a functional team first before they're attracted to the situation. So that's that's my only No, and I think it that. is happening. Will it happen this year? I don't know. And I'm not really even like let's set Dame aside. I don't think they ha- I don't think Dame is getting traded this year. Do they have enough for a guy like Beal in the war chest? I don't really know like what are you trading for him? Yeah. Just like I so I think it will ha- that's a good point. But like I just don't know if it affects them this year. But but a good question to ask, nonetheless. Okay, so moving on with the eighth pick, um, final that'll nab. Well, actually not not this year because we have the playing game. But for the eighth spot, I have the Chicago Bulls. Um, okay. So you were saying how they need to prove it, and not that I love the roster because I think the ro- roster construction is weird. At Honestly, with DeRozan, like, I don't really know how this team's going to all play together. Sure. I think the argument, and you'll probably get to it, is just that they have maybe the most pure talent out of any of these four teams. No? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say they they have the most talent out of... I love Lonzo. I love that addition. I'm not exactly sure what the DeRozan addition was for this team and what it's necessarily going to do. Who's going to defend on this team? Uh, Vucevic can get you 20 and 10. God, I forgot Nikola Vucevic was on that team (laughs) until you mentioned it. Yeah, so I I do think they have players. Alex Caruso is an interesting (laughs) rotation guy. Kobe White um, was a lottery pick, and he was supposed to be their point guard of the future, and he'll, he'll transition to uh, backup point guard role. I just don't know if they fit all together. Yeah. And whereas, I, like, the Atlanta team that we mentioned before, it just is like, okay, that guy plays in this role, this guy plays in this role, and we understand where, what the construction of the roster is, whereas I'm not exactly sure what the Chicago team is. Yeah, I mean, b- 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 to t- I think DeRozan is horrifically redundant on this team. What does he do that Zach Levine doesn't do better? Yeah, I I don't know. I yeah. can't even answer that yeah. question. No, I know. I'm j- I'm just saying, like as a, the, you know, like, and I'm a lot of times in the regular season, especially stuff sort of works itself out. Like, yeah, I I think they're a fine. I I think they're a fine pick here. It's just kind of like, yeah, I think the the comparison with Atlanta is 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 a valid one. I don't have that much more to say. An- another thing to just flag to, or to kind of keep in mind is like. Um, Zach Levine, whether is extension eligible and whether that they are able to work something out or if he goes to free agency and what impact his looming free agency has over affairs is definitely is definitely something to keep in mind. I mean, at this point, the team is committed to winning now. So at the very least, that's certainly a tick in their favor. 
um, they're the least likely of these teams to like blow it up where things just start to go south. Um, yeah, like yeah, and it maybe maybe this is kind of the Hawks pick. Like it could be the Hawks pick of last year, where kind of I'm. I don't think I was super skeptical of the Hawks, but it's like a we'll believe it when I see it, and mm-hmm. maybe we do see it. Um, Billy Donovan, I um, is is a coach in the NBA. <laughs> um, I don't know. No, I just, I just, I just feel like heavy reliance on someone like Patrick Williams, who's a second year player that's gonna probably do things for them defensively. A lot of people love Patrick Williams. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's a decent player. I just don't know like how much you can be relying on him to be setting everything defensively. Sure. Yeah, the defense team. is going to be and, an issue. And that like like he's got to be that guy for yeah. them. And I don't know and he is a good player. I just don't know like how much he's going to be able and Lon- him and Lonzo are going to be good players defensively. I just don't know how Levine and the buy-in from DeRozan defensively is going to be. And, yeah, does spacing become an issue on this team with DeRozan? Like, I, I'm not exactly sure how all these players fit. But the eighth position, I'll take, a, I'll take a role on them compared to the other two teams in this tier. So, Andrew, I will throw it over to you. Now, I wish... Do I pivot here or do I stick to my... No, nah, I'm just sticking to my rankings. I really have been... I This is like my most going rogue year since we've done this, and it may backfire horribly. Like, I feel like, you know how... Do you have that friend in the fantasy football draft who, like, always feels the need to go for, like, this... Like, they always go for the sleeper. They always, like, th- go against contrarian wisdom. And, like, they hit on one out of the seven, but their team ends up being not that good because and th- they... And then they're like, I hit on that guy. Yeah. I knew yeah, that guy. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like, I feel like I'm doing this here, and I kind of hoped you would take the Pacers. So Because now I'm really passing on the pa- Pacers. But, like I said... I said this year I'm taking teams that I think are fun and I, that I think are exciting and that I want to believe in. You can see where I'm probably going. I'm taking the Hornets. LaMelo. Yes. And yes. LiAngelo. Yes. <laughs> you just signed Yes. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yep. Yes. They're, they are um, they are going for the strategy of you in fantasy basketball last year and just all the balls. All the balls. Yes, all of them. <laughs> Just all two of them, yes. Um, but uh, literally bullet point one, LaMelo Ball is really good. Yeah. Um, he, like, he surprised a lot of people yeah. last year. I will say, I, w- I remember us talking about that draft and I feel like I was higher on Lamelo Ball you, you were. than than you were. Just yeah. just to give myself what, out of pure defensiveness of being you wrong were. about so many things. Um, but yeah, no, like he showed like the start of sort of possibly a special, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's on that, you know, like a path to being potentially a really really good player in this league, an All NBA type player. And were that to be the case, I think he's going to get way better this year and push the team, you know, in that sort of play into hopefully eighth seedish realm. Um, another thing, uh, so that's sort of reason number one. I, I think a Lamelo leap is is certainly possible. Another thing is that they were twenty four and twenty in games Gordon Hayward played. Um, yep. If it's another, I feel I feel like I'm saying if. Blank stays healthy too long in too often in these 
little team, uh, little bub burbles, and that's concerning. But I, I think that pair is just has proven to be pretty good. Um, and they, I think they've slightly molded the pieces to sort of fit better. About there's going to be less Bismack Biombo on the floor and more Mason Plumley uh, this year, which which I think is. Is better, pretty good. Better. Yes, which yes. is better. And I just think this team's going to... Obviously, you're losing a guy like Devontae Graham. Um, that's mm. that's going to be difficult. But I think that shouldn't be as big of a deal as so long as LaMelo is able to step up and take more of a sort of score, like an alpha dog role on this team. And yeah, it just... I'm, am I possibly buying the stock one year too early? Like, is this like taking the Hawks two years ago? You know, Possibly. to make the playoffs, yeah, it's certainly possible. But I'm, but I'm calling my shot and I'm going for it. Yeah, it all hinges on Hayward. I yeah. think to me, like Lamelo is going to improve, hopefully, um, from the Charlotte Charlotte Hornets perspective. But Hayward, if he stays healthy, like you said in that stat, twenty four and twenty, like, yeah, they were a legit team last year yeah. with Hayward, and they were kind of the su- the surprise. Um, surprise team of the year last year in terms of where their expectations were and to what they were producing with Hayward on the floor. So if Bridges, um, someone like Kelly Oubre. Yeah, um, I forgot to mention Oubre, yeah. Um, I, I know they drafted James Booknight, who maybe I they think he's been showing some, uh, I think he's been showing some preseason stuff, so maybe he could replace some of that you know, Devontae Graham yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's like a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guard that can handle the ball a little bit. Kind of in the mold of Graham, actually, that yeah. I think they're hoping to replace. I think can kind of... I think they they should be able to do good things, especially if Hayward stays healthy. And I think that's just pretty much as we get deeper yeah. on in this list. It's Fair like, to It's like, if this guy yes, stays healthy, exactly. or if, if this, this happens, happens yeah. then this outcome will take yeah. place. So I think that's fair. I feel like that's enough on, on Charlotte. I will choose Indiana, and we can yeah. kind of breeze through Indiana because I feel like this has been the same conversation the past yes. three years. So go ahead. Just have both sides of it right, right now, and I'll take a breather. Role. I'm a Malcolm Brogdon, yes. uh, Brogdon fan, so I feel like I'm one of his biggest fans, yes. and I was like, Milwaukee should have matched that. Yeah, that no. Well, by the way, I I agreed. You're higher on Brogdon than me, but I agree that. But with it's that. it's like it's the same conversation we've been having over the past two to three years. Like, are they trading Turner Sabonis? Like, yeah. who are they choosing? Uh, T.J. Warren's been out, um, but when he's on, he's on, and he can score a lot of points. Karis Levert, like, I mean, I loved him being. <laughs> as a Nets fan, but he just seems like he can't stay healthy. Yeah. And he's like, he's super fragile, has a broken bone in his back, it seems, right now, I think. Uh, Jeremy Lamb comes off the, off the bench. But, I mean, this team is can be good, but it's like such an average team that no one is excited yeah. to talk about. It's yeah. like, this is a, f- I think they're 42 and a half wins yeah. on FanDuel. Like forty one and forty one, forty two and four. Like yeah, it's 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 yeah. just like that team. I mean, I I feel like if we had my pacer all uh, my pacer friend fan Kevin Tanzi, although maybe a little bit of a bandwagon of late, 
listen, Rick's back. Can Carlisle do something with magic? This, do something magic. with this personnel, bring some life into the offense. Um, they added a guy like Chris Duarte uh, out of the draft who's able to kind of come in and shoot it and replace Dougie McBucket sort of in that in that kind of wings who can shoot role. Yeah, I think health, I think it's as we've not to be boring and say health matters and all. Brogdon, unfortunately, I think what's changed since you sort of showed your love for him years ago is he's proven to be a little bit more fragile than than expected and the potential's gone it's yeah. more just like yeah. he is what he is yeah. now and like we're not expecting yeah what he we're not thinking about what he could be at this point it's like okay we've taken him for what he is now and he does certain things really well it's just he can't stay on the court it seems yeah. like on a very consistent basis yeah so that that's just the story of this team you look at brockton you look at lavert you look at warren those three guys, and so you're do like, you think okay. The, yeah, do you think the Pacers have decided, like, we're just keeping both Turner and Sabonis, and that's it? Yeah. Like, I, what would I it mean, take for one of I those mean, guys to get traded at this point? They, it doesn't seem like they would get off Sabonis, so it seems like Turner's the guy that they would trade to me. And you, why don't you think it's just Sabonis? Does he have a bigger contract or something like that? N- no, I just it just seems like they... They've floated out Turner's name a yeah. bit more. Or he, his yeah, I don't know. I just think Sabonis is maybe better than Turner at this point, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, They're, yeah, it, exactly. It doesn't, yeah. Well, I think I think Sabonis is the guy that you can throw the ball into. Yeah, I the think the alo- I think score. Turner. They missed that. Like they should have done that two years ago. Were they going to do it? Because I think it's another. Because I think it's kind of one of those things where like we've been having this conversation and now like. Does Turner really like what improvements is Turner going to make? What improvements is, you know, Sabonis going to make? They kind of just now have these cards. They kind of just played all their cards and now they're sitting and they're like, well, I guess we can move this card over around. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's about it. Well, so. I, I do have to push yeah. back a little. It, okay. I, I do think Sabonis can get a little, can get better. I, I think Turner's kind of tapped out in his potential. Um, but turn it. That's why. So what that's can Sabonis? What can Sabonis do to get better? Uh, pass the like he passes the ball really well. Like I yeah, mean, do more point point he, big yeah, stuff. Yeah, he averaged six point seven assists last yeah, year. Yeah, I think uh, it's just his size is unfortunately like he's always going to be limited defensively and, that, and things I think of that's, that nature. I think that's the concern, and that's why they've kept Turner yeah. around. Because of the shot block. Yeah. But I think that was about two minutes too long Fair. On, Complete. on the Pacers. I was actually going to say, I think we should institute a thing for like the last, as we get into the last, we're going 11 through 15. I don't think we should spend more than two minutes on any given okay. team. I, I am so totally let's start. I'll, I'll start. I'll keep the time on that. We'll go two minute shot clock on, on the last All right, four so teams. Andrew, who is the 11th pick? Wait, I didn't start the time. Oh, okay. So. So I'll start the clock. Instituting the shot clock. Yes. Is two minutes too... Well, we'll see how long we'll, it we'll feels. See. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I am taking the... Oh, my God. I fucked up. I didn't... I'm taking the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Um, yep. Is th- I just think they have the most going on out of out of the teams that are left. Uh, got a nice haul for Lowry in Dragic and Precious, 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 Jesus Christ, Precious Achua. Um, 
Pascal Siakam, obviously underwhelming last year, a guy I've really liked over the years. I'd like to see him return to form. I think Nick Nurse is always going to be able to do things with that. With that, um, is always going to be able to kind of make something out of nothing, um, and and I appreciate that. Uh, we'll see how Scotty Barnes looks in his first year. I'm doing the just, like, naming players thing. Like, I still think the reason I'm taking them over, say, the Wizards, is I think there's, like, more of a cohesive team there that could overachieve given given the right strings being pulled coaching-wise. Yeah, and one thing I do want to add is, you know, this team's now removed from NBA championship, what, two years now? Yeah. So does... Does this core now of Van Vliet, uh, Ananobi, Siakam, can they take this team to like push for playing games? Yeah, and and like I think they can. It's like probably. not I- inconceivable no. if Siakam comes back healthy and like starts performing the way that we saw him perform in the playoffs or like in in like the height of that run. Where where people fell in love with him, that they can be like, okay, now I can see certain things falling into place. Um, and then a uh, special shout out to former Blazer Gary Trent Jr. Yes, who did we love G Trent. We literally love G Trent. Who did yes. light it up a little bit? Yes, um, he started couple. really hot and was looking kind of like, ooh, did we fuck up giving him away? And then came back down to earth a little bit. But all right. Didn't do too bad. Hard stop. I was I was I was happy with that. All right, who we got next? Uh you mentioned them. I got the Washington Wizards. Um all my friends in Washington. Um I've been talking to them a little bit about this team, and they're just like they're it feels like they're in a I'm not exactly sure how to feel about this team. Yeah. Because Beal feels like he has maybe a couple toes out the door mm. um, feeling, especially with his name getting thrown around in trade deals. Spencer Dinwiddie di- uh, um, gets traded to them um, in a sign and trade. Um, they have KCP and Kuzma um, in that return deal for Westbrook. I wonder how Kuzma does out- yeah. outside of that, um, outside of that, spotlight in LA and is KCP getting shipped off to to the Wizards was is his value overstated because he was next to LeBron I think that's interesting question I think that's one of those things that interesting question I wonder if being next to LeBron made him more engaged would be a thing I I would wonder he has someone he had LeBron to thank for all those uh, all those uh um, checks that he ended up getting um, along on LeBron's coattails for um, while he was in LA, but Hachimura I think is one guy to look out for on this Wizards depth chart. Yeah, whether I mean isn't kind of the position battle Hachimura and Kuzma basically? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Hachimura Kuzma to see who ends up starting, and they're like two similar guys. I think Kuzma is a little older, but like in that same age range to see whether or not there's anything there. Um, I want to see if you know this. Who is the coach of the Washington Wizards? I, I, I think it's a uh, Wes Unsell. Very good. Very uh, good. Junior. We'll see if some fresh coaching blood in there can can sort of do anything. Beal's obviously always going to – the timer just went off. Beal's going to be – does Beal get traded this year? 
This we, like no. we spent not a lot no. of time on it. Yeah, no. I, I, I don't agree. think. So. I don't I agree. think so. It feels like these things have been burbling on too long, and that it. Uh, yeah, it it's feels gonna almost stale at yeah, this point. Agreed. It does. Uh, agreed. Agreed. So Andrew, next pick. We're really getting that. At the bottom three. Yeah, we're going through the dregs. Bottom three teams now. I wanted to go. I, I was pretty torn between the Cavs and the Pistons here, but I went with the Cavs. Okay. Um, Fair. I would have gone with the Cavs. Sex land. Yeah, what are we doing? I mean, so, like, do we just end that? Do we end <laughs> the segment there? Just sex land. Yep. That. <laughs> drop the drop, mic. Drop the drop mic. The mic. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like, yeah, it, it's hard to, like, They've kind of been developing this sort of semi-interesting young core for the next for the last few years, and you'd think, especially with the ownership there and Dan Gilbert and stuff like that, there's probably this like, all right, we developed, we kind of did the thing for a few years. Like, when are we like you got Evan Mobley, and now honestly, when are we kind of gonna start to put it all together? I don't think this is the year. Um, I like all of those three guys. Mob, sex, mob, sex, mobland. Uh, is, is that something? But um, you know, like, yeah, it, it's sort of like a. I think they'll show some stuff and be maybe. Perhaps they're gonna. There's gonna be some promise there, and you. There needs to be. Otherwise, they need to take a look at doing another hard reset. Um, Were you surprised by the Mobley pick? Because who they, went they who went fourth? Scotty Barnes then sucks. Now, uh, I d- I don't really know enough to differentiate between Mobley and Suggs, but the only reason why I say that, but was Suggs probably wouldn't have fit in on that team anyway. Well, the only reason why I say that, and it's like to rehash this age-old like the argument of like our centers being kind of outdated yeah. in today's NBA. No, I and agree. Like. like if you're going to take Mobley, why are you signing Jared Allen to $100 million other Correct. than to retain his asset? Correct. To retain the asset. Correct. That's the only reason Correct. why I'm just kind of like, okay. Like Incredibly valid point, and I, I agree with you. Um, one last thing, just like as we're moving away, is um, is Kevin Love. I think he probably gets bought out at some point this He's year. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Going to Portland. Hopefully. I think that's <laughs> very possible. It would be a very blazery thing to do. All okay. right. Go ahead, bud. All right. You mentioned them. I'm taking Detroit, and I'm I'm not even like super excited to talk about this team other than Cade. Cunningham. Yeah. Like and I like, think it's just like Cade Cunningham. Yeah, and like they're at 25 and a half wins, and I'm not even like I don't even think they get there. Like even. Like the or I took a look at Orlando because or <laughs> like I was just like, does Orlando have anything? Do uh, they? Because let's just can we do Orlando and and yeah, the yeah, and the Detroit that. and the next like I together yeah like when I look at Orlando's roster like I like Suggs Okiki's supposed to be fairly decent Bamba I'm not sure why he Bamba's got apparently been showing some stuff in preseason okay well. What did he get? He got a contract extension. I I I think so. Did he get it? Did Jesus. He get, did he? Ca- I'm pretty sure he got. Why? A Wait. Let me look this up. And I, I know this is kind of. I don't care. Uh, did he get this contract? Uh, four years, twenty-four million. So mm. so nothing crazy. Yeah. But yeah, Bamba. I I don't know. I I just chose 
Detroit because I I'm kind of excited to yeah. see it's like it's like to <coughs> see Cunningham. I think the general it. consensus is that Cunningham will probably be the most impactful rookie. Um I don't know. I I'm pretty interested and didn't have really much of a take on Cunningham. No, I going didn't in either. or any ideal of idea of his ceiling. So I'm certainly excited to watch him. Um, and same with Suggs. I believe Suggs can be in it. I'd love to. I'd love to see Suggs be an impactful player in the NBA. Um, unfortunately, Jonathan Isaac, who most certainly did not get the vaccine, um, <laughs> will not no. be playing this year as he recovers from a torn ACL. Um, yeah, there. These are both going to be two stinky teams. Not that exciting, and Cunningham's the guy to look out yes. for. Cunningham, Jeremy Grant, maybe Killian Hayes. Wonder if they show it. And shout out to Markel Fultz, who I think is a Kevin and the Wu Tang Clan favorite. I of love of yes, yeah. Of so course. So hopefully, I don't know if he's out right now. Yes. Is he, he is. out? He's hurt. I think he might be hurt. Oh. Well. Sorry, man. Yeah. Get well soon. Well, that that just kind of shows you guys. Listen, it's never getting worse for Markel Fultz than it's been. So. Yeah, that just kind of shows you guys how like tough it can get towards the end of the uh, end of the at the end towards the. Uh, Didn't we come up with some bit at the end of our preview last year that was centered around? Ke- it was centered around Blake Griffin. Like it was a fuck. I forget what oh, it yes. was. It was um. Oh man, this is. I think it was bullet. Oh, like try to think of. We're we're trying to think of like comedy. Um, oh, like, like what was the stand-up comedy album be yeah, called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's fair. Um, um be, but yeah, I was just trying to think of something cute we could do to finish out the finish out the uh, pod here, but maybe there's nothing. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll try to think of okay. one thing for for the Eastern Conference. Um, is there, is there like a surprise, is there like one player that you're looking out for out of like the whole Eastern Conference that you're most excited about following that maybe people don't know too much about? Okay, that's interesting. Do you have the one? Um, I, like, the, the person I was going to say was Cade Cunningham just because like he's like... He was the top pick in the draft, and that was someone that I think he might not be getting a ton of buzz in Detroit because he's in Detroit. But yeah. if he was like in any other type of market, he's definitely a player that everyone should be looking out yeah. for. Like he's he's the guy that I don't know how to explain it, but he he can get triple doubles yeah. possibly. Yeah, like he's the six eight point guard. Um, I will say Patrick Williams on the Bulls, and I'll just say more from a personal perspective, as someone who didn't watch the NBA that much last year, but every single podcast I listen to, when the Bulls get brought up, people are like, ooh, Pat, like he gets talked about in these hushed tones. Patrick Williams, yeah, like he's he showing ki- things. Yeah, yet. exactly, like he's kind of this young, very raw, athletic possibly a lockdown defender type and seeing how he integrates into that bowl that bulls team and you know uh possibly sh- takes it can he take become an og ananobi type or something like that i think would be would be fascinating to see and i think he's probably a guy a lot of people don't know about yep so guys thanks for listening to the eastern conference part of this preview and uh if you guys haven't listened to the western conference one definitely give that a listen god the western conference one when we did that was so fun so much fun
well, All right. it hasn't happened I yet. Know, so, I know, I was uh, doing a bit. Yeah, exactly. So thanks again, guys, for listening. And uh, always uh, come back and tune in to listen to me and most likely Andrew <laughs> talk about the <laughs> NBA. So thanks again.